the PCAST, presented by CDE Lightband. Each week, we take you around off speed the athletics department, occasionally the Ohio Valley Conference. Thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE, and thanks to you, our listeners. I'm Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin podcast, trying and maybe not failing to get into the holiday spirit. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. Uh... Highs and lows from last week. Uh, I guess we will start with the big positives, which is the best news. The best of times. Terry Taylor has officially tossed a hat into the ring for goatness. Goatitude. He was just holding the hat above the ring before? Pretty much, yeah. He's officially thrown said hat. In the last week, here's what Terry's done. Just the last week. Reached his 2,000th career point during the Carver game. How many other people in Austin history have done that? He is the third. How many in OVC history have done that? He is the 19th. Okay, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Four days later, on December 8th in the Murray game, Terry grabbed his 1,000th career rebound. How many Austin P players have done that? Three. How many OVC players? 17. How many have done both? Five. Five. And that's not at Austin P. That is in the Ohio Valley. Is he Conference. the first one at Austin P? He is the very wow. first. He Do people is hear that? The very first. The people who wanted to give me grief this summer about where Terry Taylor ranked in the greatest govs list. What's Crow taste like? Uh, listen, I said he was number Fra- one. Frankly, I, I he frankly, was number one on my list. We might have had him a little bit low. Where did we have him at? I believe he wound up third. Yeah. Yikes to all of you people who did not vote for Terry Taylor. Number one, big, the biggest of yikes. It's, uh, you're, it, at this point, you're basically arguing semantics, and pretty much the only thing that's left is Terry Taylor OVC title. If does, if, if he goes titling. Does he, can he get the uh, Austin P. career scoring record? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's easily within grasp. What, what is it, like 260? Uh, it's 2265, I believe. So he's like 200 points away. Yeah, about that. So, yeah. like, he's on track to. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, Cur- with his current average, he should surpass it sometime near the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, I was doing the math one day last week, and he's. If he just sort of stays on the trajectory, he should wind up somewhere around fifth, sixth, or seventh in OBC history. Do we know who's behind in that? Uh, some big names. Um, yeah, he's got some. He's about to take some skins down on the wall in the next game. If the, with his next the manimal is he going to get the manimal? He already passed him. Oh. Uh with his next bucket, he will pass uh, Isaiah Cannon and uh, Harry Crittenden. He's already got Jaw right. Well, Jaw only played two years. You're right. Too. Uh, what about campaign? Uh, Cam is he- Cam is. A little ways in the distance, but not that far. Okay. I would like for him to pass everybody from Murray State. I don't think he'll be able to pass everybody. Oh. But he will get... The but, the names that he winds up this being... this Popeye Jones guy they kept talking about on the Murray State TV broadcast? You don't know Popeye Jones? I didn't. Okay. We're going to digress here ever so briefly. Popeye was like the, the first big name out of Murray to make it big in the NBA. Had a very lengthy NBA career. He's an assistant with, I want to say Miami now, but I could be way off the mark with that one. He also has the unfortunate, fortunate, I don't know, you're an NBA player, so I mean, any, anything that has the NBA, blank NBA player as modifier is probably not that unfortunate. But he is one of the stranger looking cats to ever play 
in the NBA. You look up a photo of Popeye Jones, just shiny ball dome, huge ears. If you catch him with the wrong angle, it's – yeah, I don't know. Dude made bazillions of dollars, though. So uh, He's not as weird. Okay, that photo's bad. Yeah, you catch – that's what I'm saying. Is Never mind. You catch the wrong photo, and it's not a good look. Like, this photo right here looks fine. He, but, he looks like – But then you get this photo. You get the one – like, the one from the side there that you just showed me, he looks like uh, Tiny Lister from uh, the Friday movies. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I, I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting a post player. I don't well, know why. the game was different then. I mean, it was – Popeye was a big dude. It was, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I think. Like, it was it, just throw it in the Popeye yeah, in the paint. just toss it into him and let him cook. He was a big fellow in college, too. Like, he didn't get he didn't get bigger when he got to the NBA. Like, he's a hefty guy. Yeah, he, he, good size. Good <laughs> size is what they would have said back in the day. But, okay. Uh, oh, his name's Ronald. You <laughs> Tell me you didn't think that his mother <laughs> no, says on his no, birth no, no, certificate No, I didn't Popeye. think so, but like the OVC record book even said Popeye. So Anyway, uh, we Terry Taylor will be amongst that list. Go-to-tude. Yeah, go-to-tude. Uh, but that, is also, that also leads us to discussing what happened in the last two games, which one was fine, the other was not fine. Uh, beating Carver by 60-something points was great losing at murray state by three points was not as great um if i'm looking at positives and i am it's good to see that uh carlos Paez is finding his shot a little bit uh much more efficient against carver much more efficient against murray than he had been down in florida i'm i'm still willing to chalk up the florida trip as just, it was a weird, dark facility that was tough to shoot at. Um, Terry on Joseph, uh, Scooter, as he is more affectionately known, uh, really looked good against Murray. Uh, confidence, more confidence than you would expect in a kid uh, playing his sixth collegiate basketball game. Fifth I like, collegiate I like basketball. I saw from Elton Walker against Carver. Elton, I, I like Elton a lot as a ball player. I don't know necessarily how... He fits perfectly alongside Terry and Mike Peak in in that rotation. Like I think he's, I like him personally better as kind of like the change of pace energy guy. Which he's is, bouncy. He he, dude, dude just got ups for days. But now if we're going to talk about the good. We should probably mention the uh, less so. Either Murray State game planned us out of the building which that doesn't seem very likely or our defending just needs it's you have to have you have to be in sync with one another to run our defensive scheme properly and this early in the season with this disjointed season with this many guys against a team with a lot of returning players against the team with a lot of returning players getting this many guys acclimated and this truncated whatever the heck we've got here I can see where defending is going to take time. Our ball control needs more refinement, and I think that is a... I feel like they scored 80 points off turnovers. I think it's because they got a lot where there was just nobody between them and the basket. That and Tevin Brown hit a lot of fast break threes. Yeah, boy, he looked he looked good. He looked dangerous. He looked really good. <sighs> Hate to say it. Don't like to say it. 
Don't like to say it at all. It hurt. It pains me. It physically pains me. I I'm disgusted with myself for even saying that. I don't I don't like to like anything that Murray State thinks is. Oh, good. I don't like it. I just admitted it was good. Yeah. Get another chance. Uh, week after next. Two days. Ten days. Two ten close ten, enough. T- there's a difference. <laughs> anyway. Um, Here's a fun thing that happened to me at Murray. Uh, I got there early. They were playing Mississippi Valley State for their women's game. And um, afterwards, I was just sitting at Press Row minding my own business, drinking my Red Bull, you know. Normal pregame activity. Normal pregame Colby activities. And their, one of their facilities people wanders by spritzing down the, uh, the old table as they're doing now as part of our COVID-19 protocols. And if I had not moved the red bull at the exact moment that i moved the red bull it tasted like clorox i might have gotten a a nice red bull spritz there and i don't think that's i don't think that's what you're going for with the red bull might be good for the immune system it might be it might not be it might not be (laughs) i don't know i don't know and so so this is a note to all other sids watch your drinks on press row if if you're just hanging out on a press if you're hanging out in an area where the the sportage is being played Keep your head on a swivel and hand over the mouth of whatever drinking thing you're drinking out of because it is spray and pray pretty much. Oh, it is likely to get spritzed. It is very likely to get spritzed. Case okay, got another, two more football coaches to discuss this week. Getting all the football coaches. Getting all the football coaches. Got another co-OC, wide receivers coach from MTSU in Austin Silvoy. He has been down, had been rather, down in Murphy's Row since 2016. Did he play there? Uh, no. He okay. played at a place that escapes me. And if you hadn't asked, I could have told you. But I can tell you where the other hire we made recently. I would love if you tell me. Jordan McNeil was a Scotty Walden recruit at ETBU and finished his career as East Texas Baptist career leader in rushing touchdowns with 32. This was his first Division One coaching gig after three seasons at Bellhaven. We're getting the ETBU band back together. It was a very high-scoring band, so, you know, we're, honestly, we're just missing Joshua Ergel. I mean, <laughs> won't you come home, Coach Ergel? Hey, Coach Ergel, what's up, buddy? We're getting the band back together, are, and uh, it, it, I think we need our lead guitarist. It's it's quite a band. Scotty's on vocals. We just need that uh, Coach Ergel slamming on the guitar. What was it, uh, Mr. Wonderful from uh, the Blues Brothers? Yes. As, that's it. Getting the band back together, Coach. You know what else we're doing? What else are we doing? Talking to Daniel Disney. We're this talking week. to Diz. The old Diz is our guest this week from the Austin P Strength and Conditioning Program, and we will be back right after this. down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle People don't often campaign to come on this podcast, and usually the reception I get when I inform people they've been selected as a guest falls somewhere between polite amusement and not quite overt disdain. So to have Daniel Disney, Associate Director of Sport Performance at Ostopy, not just want to come on but actively seek out the opportunity was different, and so I'm excited to welcome him into the room of sadness for this week's PCAST. Diz, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm not too sad about it, so I'm ready to go. Let's start with the most notable thing about you. Well, 
no, second. The first is the distinct voice. The sec the second is going viral on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not it's not just uh, the one about the aux cord, which people should check out pinned to the top of your uh, Twitter profile at Coach Dan Disney, mm-hmm. but. Multiple times you have uh, observed the world in a way that made people stand up and take notice. What is it about you and how you observe the universe that has made people resonate, that has resonated with people? Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time just sitting back and watching and just observing things. That's kind of my job when I'm not actively coaching. And uh, I think I'm pretty dry, got a dry sense of humor, and I pretty much say exactly the way I see things. And I think a lot of people can appreciate, you know, dry, honest humor. And honestly, it, it's not uh, not hard to make people laugh these days. People laugh at some pretty dumb things. You know, that, that Oxcord uh, tweet got 140-something thousand likes, and I, I really don't think it was that funny. You played rugby. Mm-hmm. What does a hooker do in rugby? All right, so, uh, so rugby is pretty uh, pretty simple in the way they name things, right? So a hooker is the person in the middle of the front row of a scrum okay and the hooker basically stands on one leg is and is propped up on the props which are the other two people in the front row which is pretty industrious you props prop someone up right so the hooker essentially stands on one leg and they use their free leg to hook the ball when the scrum half rolls it into the scrum okay so essentially you're hooking the ball backwards to the back of the scrum so the scrum half or the eight can pick the ball up and then run a play off of it so, funny name, but it's basically exactly what you do. So, it's a very literal interpretation of exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly, okay. Yeah. How did you get into rugby in the first place? Uh, well, I, I went to a small high school in Virginia, uh, played football and wrestled. Um, pretty average at both, you know. I uh, was not going to make it as a collegiate football player. I uh, went to a D3 school out of high school and pretty much just kind of wanted to continue my athletic career because I started playing sports really late and you know, after four years, I didn't really feel like I was done being an athlete. And uh, I had a professor, uh, Dr. Ed Lickey, who was in charge of coordinating, you know, our rugby club at Bridgewater, um, which ended up, you know, going defunct because we didn't have enough funding. So I ended up getting introduced to rugby through him and then going and playing for a club called the Rocktown Rugby Club um, for four years while I was in college. You've been a strength coach. What year are you in now as a strength coach? Uh, I've been active in strength and conditioning, I want to say, for seven years probably in some facet. I started out as a, a junior and undergrad, as an undergraduate assistant, and spent two years. Um, so, And then I started out at Stanford in 2015 in my first non-undergrad internship. How has the role evolved over the last few years? Because it's not just, all right, here's your – Here's your plan. Here's your your strength conditioning you know checklist for the week. There's a lot more to it now. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the utilization of strength coaches has changed a lot over time. Um, kind of breaking out of the stigma of you know just being the weights guy or just being the speed guy and you know only being useful in those roles. Um, I think that you know the job in itself is improving performance in any way you can, but the role that you play can vary based on team to team. Um, I think we're going in a direction now where we're more in not just the weight room, but handling global load management and, and helping sport coaches see kind of how to quantify loads and things like that, where, you know, you can be a little more useful just not on the floor of the weight room. I mean, we've always kind of been involved in nutrition and education and things like that, but 
I think the the more the industry evolves and the more people grow, they'll see that strength coaches can be more of an integrated part of the the sport unit rather than just kind of being separate and siloed. During all of this that has been 2020, how have you been able to keep things moving forward with your team when you're constantly, you know, people are in and out of quarantine, you have starts and stops, you've had long periods of just not even being able to be in contact. How have you been able to modify stuff like when people are having to train at home and may not have access to the things they have access to here? How have you helped them still be the best version of themselves? Yeah, I think that there's always been some form of that in the industry and in the fact that, you know, people go home and they don't have access to equipment and things like that. So strength coaches, I mean, since it became a thing, have been doing that, right? Sending you uh, take-home programs. And now it's just the context is a little bit different, right? So, you know, usually when you're looking at an athlete, they've been training year-round for five to ten years maybe, and they have a very high – uh, threshold and a high chronic workload, which allows them to handle a lot of different stresses. Um, now you got to kind of think of, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing and, and making sure that you are preparing them for what really matters, which is being healthy and playing the game. Okay. Cause you know, if you were to take everything away, um, the one thing that they would still do is sport practice. So when it comes down to what we have going on with different quarantines and pauses and things like that, really, you just have to make sure that you are doing in my opinion, the minimum amount of work that you can to um, help them progress while also making sure they have enough uh, available physiological resources to actually practice at a high level. Because um, that's kind of what you're looking at is you're getting these people that they don't necessarily have um, that physiological envelope that they used to have where they can handle pounding and pounding and pounding. Um, what you're seeing is people are having to go uh, on pause and they're coming back and you have to be really careful with the way you load them. You can't just um, toss them right back in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing is like you, you're kind of, you know, because you're passionate about it, you want to get right back to full speed, and there's times that you can't do that. Um, you got to be able to take a step back and look at things with a 10,000 foot view and help in any way you can. And our roles right now may not be, you know, let's get back in the weight room and tra train heavy. It's do what you have to do, cut the fat, and then help them get through those practices to make sure they're technically and tactically prepared for the game rather than worrying so much about the physical. Is it more of a just let's get you through the next 30 to 40 minute game session, whatever your load is for that game, rather than a long term? Because I feel like so much of the 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 planning is built for season long. All right, we got to it's November, but you still got to be operating at full speed in March. Is it now so much short term thinking just because you don't know what the next day is going to hold? Yeah, I think you still have to take that long-term planning approach and try to see ahead because you always want to look forward to problems that can occur. That way you're ready to adapt to them. Um, you, you know, as a strength coach, you kind of have to go into things knowing that the plan is going to change and you have to be ready to, to move and be flexible there. Um, but really, I, I think the big thing is that, you know, from a statistical standpoint, you want your best players to play as much as they can throughout the year, not as much as they can in the next game. Right. So you have to make sure that you're preparing the entire team that way, especially, say, in women's basketball, where you might have to rotate in and out to make sure that, you know, your best player isn't playing 40 minutes this game and isn't going to be available for the next game due to that huge spike in workload. Um, I think there, there's a lot of things that are going to go into successful teams, because at the end of the day, like I, in my opinion, especially from a physical standpoint, the team that one is tactically prepared and fresh for a game is, is going to be the one that's going to win. 
but also being able to maintain that throughout time. So for me, um, in the weight room or on the court, whatever it is, it's my job to adapt to what's going on in that moment while also keeping the long-term plan in my head. When I talk to people about you, the theme that kept coming up was, he's really funny, but he's never joking. How does one go about doing that? Yeah, uh, I think it's just, it's kind of natural. You know, I, I am, I'm pretty straightforward, right? I, I don't think I've ever, I'm not the type of person that's going to try to tell you a joke, right? I, I just think that kind of what we talked about earlier and being someone that observes and, and speaks freely and kind of just speaks my mind in most things, uh, people appreciate it. And also, you know, something I've found is like, I'm very comfortable in silence and very comfortable in a lack of interaction where I have a lot more opportunities to just watch what people are doing and then, you know, not feel the need to get involved. And I feel like the people that tend to always want to interact with other people miss those things. So I always have a fresh perspective of what's going on and people are kind of surprised by it. So I don't know. I'm not a stand-up comedian. I don't think I would ever make it there, but it's just like little, little uh, snippets here and there are what I – you know my expertise i guess you you can observe if you observe people for long enough they'll out themselves as doing something stupid and you can comment on it without a doubt yeah you are also noted for your frugality mm -hmm. you don't pay money for anything from what i understand that's correct i i have you know adapted to a you know growing up in a you know a relatively low economic bracket where we paid for what we needed and we didn't pay for what we don't need right like that that's just the nature of growing up in that um that area but i think at the end of the day being a strength coach you know you're required to do unpaid internships in expensive places in the country you're required to do a lot of things to to get to where i am now um that are going to cost you and you're gonna have to sacrifice and i think i've all, always naturally been really cheap and uh you know I, I will always try to get something uh on clearance or i won't get it at all um you know i know you're in your notes you talked about um I won't pay for a haircut, which is absolutely a hundred percent true. Okay, I was gonna ask. That's true. That is that is a hundred percent fact. Um, I've shaved my own head for probably four or five years, and then I uh, we currently have a GA, Matt Costinson, who was an intern for me at Western Illinois, and I traded him a Keurig coffee machine uh, for free haircuts for life. So I've officially played my way into never paying for a haircut. So this guy, because he got a free Keurig he's now also got a job for the rest of his life because wherever you go he's going so you can get haircuts yeah I mean it, it might be a little bit of nepotism but at the end of the day you know uh <laughs> if, if I'm gonna have to wear a suit and look good on game day for uh women's basketball I can't also not have a haircut so um I'll bring him everywhere I can if I get the opportunity tell me about the 2016 Rose Bowl because that had to be a huge highlight like you said you went from uh d3 college to the biggest of big times mm -hmm. what was the experience like uh I, I mean it was different you know you go into an environment where the expectations are really high and i think they had really high standards and that's what kind of set them apart right um they had i want to say 18 to 20 future nfl players on that team in some capacity and, and you could really see a difference in the mindset of those individuals and their preparation um and that taught me a lot because you know, they didn't the, – the players themselves did not allow other people to not meet the standards a team had set, which I think is a big indicator that a team's going to be successful. Um, and also, you know, I, I didn't really see it coming because, you know, I did come from a small D3 school where 
you know, it was a liberal arts school. Academics were really important. Like, athletics were a big deal. But, you know, when I got there, it was like this team and this school wins more national championships than anybody per year on average, right? So those expectations were high academically and um, athletically. And to see those people work the way they did was uh, really telling for me. And also, you know, the other thing is, like, from an adaptability standpoint, you know, we lost our first game that year against Northwestern in a really – um, in a really bad game and our you know the strength and conditioning staff and I'm just an intern at the time so I'm doing a lot of observing and and they were willing to change everything they did to make sure that that didn't happen again and you know the team goes on a run and ends up number three in the nation um, and I was lucky you know Christian McCaffrey was there who was an all-world generational talent and which I didn't see coming I didn't know anything about the guy and then all of a sudden he's number two in the Heisman running um, yeah, I mean, I think you can learn a lot from looking at the way people prepare and the way elite athletes handle their business on a daily basis and, and the way that coaches at that level handle themselves. So good experience. Um, I was lucky to get a ring out of it. You know, I, I thought that was going to be a joke from the head strength coach. You know, he said, like, I'm going to get you a ring. And it was actually my last day because the Rose Bowl was the first, and then I had gotten an offer to go work at Wofford College. Um, and I left January 2nd to go – and started at Wofford January 4th. So it was a really quick turnaround. And the head strength coach was like, we're going to get you a Rose Bowl ring. I was like, oh, you know, you're probably just messing with me. And then, you know, one day in a, a Gatorade protein bar uh, box that's like taped up, I pick it up out of my, my mail and was like, open it up and there's a Rose Bowl ring. And I was like, that, that wasn't expected at all. To go from, like, you saw, like you said, McCaffrey and mm -hmm. elite world-class athletes so when you speak with the experience that you had training with those guys, when you're here at this level, does that give you a little bit of extra gravitas with the people you're talking to? Like, you know what you speak. You've seen it at the highest levels. Yeah, I think that, you know, I try not to, to use that as a way to get people to buy into what I'm doing. I try not to use that um, as leverage against my athletes. Uh, I prefer to try to educate and to just be genuine and create relationships that way that, you know, it doesn't seem like – I walk in the door and it's like, I've had so many NFL players. I've had so many of these because, you know, at the end of the day. Um, They're not who you're training yeah, right then. Yeah, well, and, and those guys are going to be great regardless of, you know, me being there or not, right? And, and I've seen a lot of guys at a lot of different levels succeed and a lot of girls succeed. And I think, you know, as soon as a strength coach starts saying, like, I train this person, they're successful you know, they're opening themselves up to also being blamed for the failures that occur in sport, right? Um, I, I prefer to stay in my lane and do everything I can to prepare you and, and try not to get, I don't know, too big of an ego. Um, you know, no matter how many people I train that have great success, there's always things for me to work on to improve because, you know, it's a never-ending cycle. And, and, yeah, it does offer some credibility to be around, you know, high-level athletes, but you know, I think if you're a genuine person and you do everything you can to be prepared from the academic side and you try to educate people, people will buy into what you're doing regardless of who you've trained. You have two dogs, right? Correct. What kinds? I have two German Shepherds. What are their names? Uh, Piper and Maverick. Uh, my girlfriend picked both of those names. was not me at all. Um, they're siblings, actually, so um, about a year apart, and they are a handful. How old are they? I want to say one is almost two, and the other one is barely one. Oh, so you have two puppies, basically. Yes. Two enormous, don't know their own strength, mm -hmm. idiot puppies. Yeah, no. Uh, Piper is the bigger one. She's older. Uh, she's almost 90 pounds, I want to say. And Maverick, he's a little bit smaller. He's about 70 pounds. And uh, 
it's really interesting. You know, I let him outside and I watch him play in the backyard. And uh, Piper's finally figured out that she's bigger than Maverick. And it's finally got to the point where she stops chasing him and just pins him to the ground, which has been really good to watch and, and to see how they've uh, figured out, you know, from a tactical sp- perspective on how to take each other on in the backyard. What would Allstott do? Is that a mantra that you kind of follow behind? You know, uh, I've always kind of had this running joke with a lot of people on uh, different staffs of, like, my favorite athlete is Mike Allstott, right? Um, And it's always funny because I was always kind of, as an athlete, more known for trying really hard and being really aggressive. And uh, if I made a mistake, I always made a mistake going as hard as I could Um, and and kind of just – Watching Mike Allstott run, you know, back in the early 90s and uh, seeing how, you know, work done goes down and Mike Allstott all of a sudden he's a starting running back for an NFL team when really he's a fullback and he does a phenomenal job. And uh, the one thing about Mike Allstott is like, you don't hit Mike Allstott. Mike Allstott hits you, right? And that's kind of like something I like to think about. It's cheesy, but, you know, kind of just always being the aggressor and having intent in, in whatever you're doing and trying to make sure that, you know, you're always one step ahead and uh, kind of the old be the hammer stick, right? Where, you know, if somebody's going to get hit, you might as well be the one that's on the uh, forefront of that. Disney, what is your favorite word? Favorite word, erroneous. What is your least favorite word? Grind. Who or what inspires you? Hmm. Hmm, that's a good one. Who, who or what inspires me? Uh, I would say just waking up every day. I mean, that's a gift in its own. What's the last book you read for fun? Uh, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. What is your worst habit? Ruining Tupperware. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, I, I forget to wash my Tupperware sometimes, and I just go through it. I got to throw it away and Uh-oh. ruining Tupperware. What app on your phone gets the most use? Twitter. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Oh, terrifying situation I've ever found myself in. Uh, when I was younger, I was in a car accident with my brother, and he got thrown out of a window. So, and he got kind of broke both of his hips, you know, collapsed a lung, all sorts of stuff. So that, that was pretty scary. What is your idea of happiness? I don't know, waking up and uh, having free will, making your own choices, and uh, living with uh, those choices. What is your idea of misery? Hmm. I'd say being miserable is uh, waking up every day and knowing that, you know, that, well, I don't know. That, that, that's a tough question just because I tend to be, I try to be in the middle between pessimism and optimism, but I'd say what would make me miserable is knowing I had no control over my daily life. What makes you self-conscious? Oh, I can't grow a good beard. That's really annoying. What what constitutes a good beard? Uh, you know, I've been really working on the whole uh, one. It, it gets patchy, you know, when it gets long. And, uh, you know, it's just not a lot of fullness. So, you know, if you look better clean shaven than you do with a beard, that's what I constitute a good beard. But I'm lazy and I don't want to shave every day. So I'm really going to keep working on it. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Oh, most embarrassing song I love? Geez, that's tough. Um... Hmm. Let's say Shake It Off, Taylor Swift. How would you prefer to die? I thought about this question a lot, right? There, I got two different answers, and I'm going to use them both. One, I would prefer, obviously, to die in my sleep because you don't necessarily know when it's coming. But at the same time, I feel like that's a selfish answer because, like, 
Somebody's got to wake you up. Yeah, exactly. Like some, someone's gonna go in there and find your lifeless body. Yeah. So I would like. I mean, maybe there could be some kind of warning sign that also goes into that. That way, not everyone's like surprised. And I feel like maybe that's just me not wanting to be super selfish. But I'm definitely. I'd rather go out in my sleep and then. I mean, who finds me finds me. I guess. Yeah. You said you had a second one too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of part of the second answer. Is like, I guess you kind of want to know, like, you know, hey, there's something wrong with you health wise. So other other people can see it's coming, but I'm not sure what it would be. That's kind of the thought that flows around in my head. Keep working on that. I want to know. I want to know where you wind up landing on that. Yeah, I will. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as, and why? Oh, um, hmm. Reincarnated and why? Well, I would say I would say dog, but I feel like that's a. That could that could go wrong, and yeah. I'm gonna say uh, I don't know a shark. You never heard of a shark going wrong, right? I mean, not in a way where like they have an abusive owner because nobody owns a shark. Exactly. I mean, sharks do what sharks do, so I feel like that's a good answer. What might prompt you to lie? What might prompt me to lie? I guess probably uh, if like the world was at stake, maybe. That, you know, does that come up a lot? Not not often, but it definitely would prompt me to lie about something. What makes you hopeful? Free will, you know, waking up and knowing that I have choices. What is our purpose in life? Uh, it's very individual. I mean, I think that, you know, some people are a little different than me, but for me it's just kind of trying to make an impact any way that I can, and uh, hopefully enough people do that and the world's an okay place. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you would ask our next guest? Mm, what would I ask our next guest? Um... Hmm. Uh, was the moon landing real? And what are your thoughts on that? I, I don't know if I have enough uh, credibility in this, but I could definitely... St- I'm going to go with it's real. You know, I'm patriotic, and I don't want to uh, disparage the administration, but <laughs> it could definitely be fake, though. Last week, Tyler Cotto asked, how do you like the pee? It's good. <laughs> uh, I enjoy I enjoy being at Austin P. Uh you know, got a, a lot of great people I get to work with on a daily basis. I've got, you know, sport coaches that I enjoy working for. And my boss, Chris Campbell, really good guy, lets me uh, have a lot of autonomy and, and does a great job as a director over there. So what is your kind of what are your career goals? What are you planning to do? Uh, you know, I think everybody kind of sets out and wants to be a head strength coach, um, you know, and usually everybody wants to do it at the D1 level. My, my big thing has always been. I would love to go be the head strength coach at my alma mater, Bridgewater College, and retire there. I uh, love the area. I love the school. Um, but aside from that, after achieving that goal, it's kind of up in the air. You know, there's a lot of different things, and you don't see a lot of people retire as strength coaches. Um, so I think that, you know, your two options are try to go into administration and try to oversee a strength and conditioning department or, uh, you know, branch out and maybe try to go professional uh, at the NFL or the uh, NBA level. But – Really, I think uh, the the first goal is being a head strength coach somewhere. Well, you are on the right track, and I appreciate that not only you wanted to be on this podcast today, but that you're here and you're helping our programs achieve new heights all the time. Daniel Disney, I appreciate very, very much you coming in. Come on back if you ever want to try again. Because I told you once, you son of a gun, I'm the best as ever been. He played fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. Devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread, better picking out dough. Bread, we 
Thanks to Diz for coming on, giving us a few minutes out of his day. Love having the uh, the more peripheral players in to talk. You know, he's a very interesting guy. He's just been around, done around. And he's got a lot of interesting things to say once you get him talking. Yes, very much so. He's very fun to sit next to on the bus. You get a lot of uh, one-liners that like. Maybe he's not trying to be funny, but they're just hilarious. Or, or just completely out of context, and you don't even know what's going on half Cor- the time. Correct. Anyway, looking ahead. Now that we actually get to look ahead, it took me a minute to remember, oh, we got to like actually talk about the sports that are coming up, because for so long we didn't have any sports coming up. Hey, we have sports coming we up. Got, we got a lot of sports coming up. Uh, men's basketball got a couple uh, early next week. Monday, Tuesday, we will have McKendry and Florida A&M in the Dunn Center. 7 o'clock Monday against McKendry, 7.30 on Tuesday against the Rattlers. That's right. And, hey, before you come watch the Govs take on the Rattlers on Tuesday, come watch the Lady Govs play against Chattanooga at 4.30 that same day. But even before then, this weekend, pending uh, pending approval here, the Govs are going to, uh, we're going to the SIU southern illinois to play the salukis in carbondale on saturday uh allegedly allegedly it's not announced yet so if uh it's that's not announced before this podcast comes out you didn't hear that from me <laughs> um redacted is playing redacted at redacted <laughs> <laughs> that's good for an audio uh, medium hopefully we can release that here soon and uh you can read all about it on let's go pee you can you can watch the guys. We're gonna be on ESPN Plus playing uh, SIUE. Not SIUE. Not. not to, it's so hard to not say SIU. Like every, I just want to stop. I just want to keep going to E. SIU Southern Illinois University. Three o'clock Saturday afternoon in Carbondale. Tune in or listen to Brian Reeves on the radio. Salukis, not Cougars. They're Salukis. It's an Egyptian dog. Right. Yeah. No. The SIUE is the Cougars. Yes. The Edwards one of the first baseball trips I went on to was SIU, and Josh Rye almost threw a no-hitter against uh, Salukis. Like seven and two-thirds no-hit. That's pretty good. Charted pitches. Good dead chart pitches. Very easy. Josh yeah, R- very easy. Josh day. Rye, the king of down-the-middle fastballs, popped up to the second baseman. Don't know how he did it. Just here's 84, center, center, pop up to Copeland. Also added a uh, football game for 2024 in the last week as we will be making a visit down to Hotlanta. The rambling wreck and a- the Heck Govs, of an engineer. The Govs will take on the rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. I believe we can call that the uh, the Joe Harms Derby. The who? You don't remember Harms. He, I don't. He was a walk-on men's basketball player here, uh, and after he graduated, he went down to Georgia Tech to pursue his doctorate. So he may still be there for all I know. Anyway, shout out Joe Harms. Bobby Dodd Stadium, right? Sure, good sure. Fun trip, fun trip. I'm looking forward to it. Go to the varsity. Never, I've never been to the varsity, so that's kind of why I want to go. But I feel like it's going to be an hour and a half long line, and it is hit or miss. For that reason, I'm out. It, it, if it's, 
I, it, if it's good, it's great. If it's bad, you wasted an hour for basically something you could have gotten warmed up in a microwave at a gas station. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. We we talking about hate week? Oh, it's rivalry week oh, in the office. It's rivalry week in the office. Sat- Sunday. Sunday, 3.30 Central Time. The Colts, the dastardly ponies from Indianapolis, will take on all that is right and good and true in the universe when they travel to Las Vegas. You're the first person to ever call the Raiders what are right and good with the universe. The Raiders. The autumn wind. The greatness of John Gruden. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I almost got there. Congrats. Almost. You guys beat Greg Williams' blitz <laughs> in the house trying to get fired oh, last week. Almost got there. Almost got there. Uh, prediction. Uh, it's in Las Vegas. In Vegas, Raiders coming off of the improbable win uh, that they should not have gotten at all. Colts have not actually played anybody of substance They this beat year. the Packers and the Titans in back-to-back weeks. Call them your Jets. They beat Aaron Rodgers. Okay. They also beat Matt LaFleur, who I think uh, Frank Reich is head and shoulders above. I think that with – it's the second week the Colts have had to force Buckner back at defensive tackle. I think that helps. They can stop the run and make Derek Carr throw the ball, and they have a good secondary, and the Colts win by a field goal. Colts 20, Raiders 13. Don't like it. Don't have to like it. Doesn't matter what I like. I think the Colts, when they have their defensive tackles, which they didn't have against Derrick Henry and the Titans last time, are really good at stopping the run. And they make teams throw the ball, and they have a pretty good secondary if everybody's healthy this week um, and nobody gets COVID listed. Um, Phillip Rivers has also owned the Raiders for like 25 years. I was going to say, Phillip Rivers, I feel like just he, he, he's got the Raiders. I don't know much about the Raiders' defense, but. Uh, I think it would be a very good idea if they had one. <laughs> I was going to say the Colts offense has kind of been hitting its stride They got T.Y. Hilton back He scored back-to-back weeks for the first time all year Michael Pittman's healthy um, Naeem Hines is becoming a pretty good running back And Jonathan Taylor, one-two punch A little thunder and lightning action I I hope I'm wrong I hope All it's without Marlon Mack Who won Achilles in game one I hope it's 35-3 Raiders And I hope you're weeping I won't by, be weeping because we won't be watching it. Because you're weeping. Shout out to CBS. We can't wait to watch the Titans and the Jaguars at 11:30. Gross. Yeah. Not gross. Haley Meyer for community service opportunities. She has all the information you can use to go out and do some good in the community. If you're around here in Clarksville, if you're not, um, still tell us about it because we like to see when you, our student athletes get out and about and do good things. You know what else will be good? Um, a stack of Clorox wipes taller than a 10-year-old and wider than or running the length of a football field. We have that. We but, do uh, have that. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P. That's where you can find all your schedule changes, updates, cancellations, news, scores, anything you need to know about Austin P. Basketball this winter. Or you can follow us on Facebook on our official account called Austin P. Governors. Uh, you can take a look at all of the great digital media content that our friends Eric and, well, our friend Robin and our acquaintance Eric is providing on those websites. 
Let'sgop.com for dates, news, and stories. Case Cody Bush, myself, with the occasional assist from Chris Austin, continually updating and re-updating and post-dating things that are happening. In real time, there's there's a better than 50% chance that we will exit the podcasting area to find another game that has been added. And hey, you know how you're going to come watch that game? With eyes. Oh, yes, but you know how you're going to get in the building? You're going to need you're gonna need a ticket. You know how you can get a ticket. You can get in contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke and her assistant, Johnny Drama. They have all the information you can use to get in the game. And right now, single-game tickets, they're on sale, but uh, they're going they're going like hotcakes. I never understood that that expression. But they are. Do, do hotcakes naturally sell fast? I imagine if you got a good hotcake, you're going to eat it pretty quick, so like it's it's gone. I mean, McDonald's does good hotcakes, but I've never been like, hey, I'm at McDonald's and need a hotcake. Imagine you're at the house on like a Sunday afternoon. And and then McDonald's would be like, sorry, we sold out. You should have got here early. (laughs) If it's after 6.15 in the morning, they're all gone. Imagine you're sitting at the house on a Sunday and there's a big pile of hotcakes. They're going pretty quick. I've never sat in a house on a Sunday with a big pile of hotcakes. Well, if you were. Is this an East Tennessee thing? I don't know. But if you were sitting there eating lunch on Sunday and there's a big pile of pancakes or hotcakes, I imagine they're going to go pretty quick. Who doesn't want a hot, hot pancake? Hot, hot cake. A hot, hot cake. That's what I was going for. I don't know. Whatever. The tickets are going quick. Buy them. Now. Come watch the Govs. Find but, us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating review on podcast. Five stars, five stars. And if you want to suggest a guest, let us know the local or on-campus event we shout out. Follow Casey on his never-ending and never-knowing journey into the soul of Austin P. women's basketball. Tweet us. I'm at C. Wilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Love yourself, love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Little Dilly from the bottom of the mouth. I ain't gotta have a strap. I still get him with the rap. Hating Dilly, man, you gotta be an idiot. In fact, took the monkey off, then I put the city on my back. Country boy, but I hang around city slickers. This is sh- well, I got it at the kitty litter. If my brother need a dollar, he gon' get a tenner. Yeshua and Nazareth was not a penny pincher. How you got it out the mud and never been muddy? Wise man, no, he don't really know nothing. Every night I got a demon saying, Poe some. This is everyday struggle, yeah. Joe, I said, peace.